it went straight down the middle. Then it started to fall. Let's talk about the 1965 LPGA Championship. I mentioned that was at Stardust. Sandahaney was the winner. But you finished fifth. That had to be a confidence builder, I would think, for you early on in your career. You know, um, I didn't even remember that until I read it. Um, I guess it was just a matter of, you know, uh, okay, I finished fifth. uh, No big deal. You know, let's go to the next tournament and see, you know, see what we can do there what damage we can do there as far as, you know, competition. Uh, As I said, uh, until I read it, I didn't even remember finishing fifth. Yeah. Did you remember your parents coming out and that being their first plane ride? Oh, yes. I definitely remember that. (laughs) And why my dad picked that place, I just have absolutely no idea. But, uh, yeah, they had never been on a plane. Never other than maybe coming to Raleigh, North Carolina, or they would come to, you know, places they could drive um, on the East Coast. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden he goes, we're coming to Vegas to watch you play. And I went, what? I mean, you know, too bad he didn't have enough faith in me to put a little money on me before the tournament started. (laughs) He could have been a millionaire by by that time because I think I was like 500 to 1 or something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he made me more nervous than I think the actual tournament itself because I'd see him, i try not to watch him, but he'd be in front. He'd be in back. He'd be with me away, you know, back and forth watching Mickey because that's who I was basically competing against. And, you know, it's like, dude, you know, uh, Mm. let me play off, you know, just watching you run back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But, uh, you know, again, some things just stick with you all the time. And it was after I won and we went back to the hotel to the Stardust and changed, and we were walking to the... uh, convention center there that's where they had the, a party and everything and i mean he was like a little kid he was my mother god bless her i mean she <laughs> she was like why you know what this is not a big deal i mean it was just like she was just kind of walking down the path and my dad i mean it was almost like he was skipping down the pad <laughs> the path to the to the thing. It was just watching him. As I said, I can still visualize to this day him going going down. But uh, yeah, that was that was had to be the the epitome of of uh, my life right there. Mm, yeah. Well, we're talking about we're talking about the nineteen nineteen sixty six LPGA Championship. This also at Stardust uh, yeah. in Vegas, where Gloria won by three over Mickey Wright with a score of 282 minus two. Uh, back then, as you look at the old newspaper clippings, they used to call that the Ladies' National. The golf course or the tournament? No, the tournament. Uh, it was referred to as the Ladies' Nationals. I don't know who wrote the article, but do you remember that moniker being associated with the LPGA uh, championship at that time? No. No. Hmm. No, I don't. I don't know if I'd come across that before. What do you remember about uh, that week, that final day? Uh, The newspaper uh, uh, accounting would suggest that you had a pretty windy final day. Do you remember much about the details? I remember it was windy. And uh, it was, I was on the putting green before my tea time. And uh, at that time, Lenny Wirtz was our commissioner and Lenny came over to me and uh, made some kind of a snide remark and I got so mad at him for making that before I teed off but then afterwards I realized he was trying to get me in another frame of mind rather than 
working, thinking about 18 holes or that first tee shot or whatever. Um, He just got me out of that mindset. And as I said, just made me so mad. I mean, he was only like 5'2". I could have picked him up and thrown him as far as I could. As I said, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I remember that. And then Whit came over and she said something to the effect of just go play. Don't worry what's in front of you, what's in back of you. Go play your own game. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to do with Mickey Wright. Uh, to win your first major, that's, <laughs> that had to be something. Oh, it, you know, as I said, as much as I admired Mickey, uh, I didn't mind beating her, uh, but uh, she, we were kind of neck and top, uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth on the first 12 holes. And I remember it was a par three. And it was two, maybe 220 or something like that from where we played it. It was a long hole, and it was yeah. into the wind. Ooh. And my caddy, uh, he said to me, he said, hit your driver. And I went, my driver? You know, I've got this little green up there. There's OB to the left, uh, bunkers to the right. And he wanted me to hit this thing. In this little area, but it was like, okay, that's what you want. Uh, Let's do it. So I knocked it on the green, two-putted, went off, made my three. Mickey hooked it out of bounds. Ah. And it was like, I have a couple of shots. Cushion. You know, just keep the pace, keep it going, and. Uh, that was the only thing that I ever knew about Mickey playing that in in back of me. Um, mm. And as I said, when my dad must have told my caddy, and my caddy said, you know, let's just play cool for the last four or five holes, and we'll see what happens. Mm. And, uh, you know, as I said, didn't expect her to do that, but uh, she did it, and thank you very much, and off I go. <laughs> so w- was it a comfortable walk up 18? Do you remember what sort of cushion you had coming into the 18th hole? I think I had like a two-shot uh, coming in, but I guess adrenaline was pumping because my second shot, I hit so far over the green. I mean, <laughs> it was like, where the heck did this come from, you know? Uh, it was a short iron that I hit into the 18th hole. And I got back there, and I, I think now I'm thinking, okay, you know, at the worst, let's make five. But, you know, try your darndest to make four. And luckily I made four, and that that did it. Yeah. Did that change things much for you? Winning winning a major at that young age, second year on tour, did that change life much for you? Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? Well, I wouldn't be here with two, <laughs> two famous people. Uh, well, yeah, well, one, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think I was just so stupid. At the time, it's like, okay, I want a major, I want a tournament. You know, let's go on. Let's, you know, let's see what else you can do. Um, You know, it's only been 
well, I guess since the last, since I left the tour that, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, I think it's starting to hit me that, you know, that's a pretty big deal. You know, you stupid kid. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I can remember Sandy putting that tiara on my head because I still have the tiara up here. Uh, Mickey was right there. Uh, I think uh, I have a picture. I want to say maybe Mary Mills was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, uh, it was it was another tournament. I mean, yeah, yeah. yes, it was the LPGA, but again, I don't think it just resonated or just, I don't know. It, it, it was like, okay, all right, so let's, you know, to see my dad happy, that's fine. That's all they yeah. had yeah, how cool would that been? Uh, well, this was, uh, for our listeners, this was uh, the last of six consecutive LPGA championships contested at Stardust Country Club. So from 1961 through 1966, it hosted the LPGA championship. Uh, you only got to play a, a major there twice. You probably wished you would have kept going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think we played at the DI once, and uh, I can remember playing the uh, at the DI, uh, but uh, I think the thing that the thing that that I also enjoyed about that tournament was the celebrities that we had a chance to play with. I mean, mm-hmm. not only in the Dyna did we play with with celebrities, but uh, I can remember Joe Lewis. I played with him, and he walked up in that first tee. And I just looked at him, and it was like, oh, my God. And then we shook hands. I could have gotten three of my hands in you the one. <laughs> and he was the nicest, nicest guy that uh, just, I mean, just so down to earth. And just, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I'm Joe Lewis, but, you know, let's go play golf. Uh, yeah. And another one I can remember uh, playing was uh, with Telly Sabalas. You remember Telly mm-hmm. Sabalas? Sure, I do. Okay. Well, the night before, I knew I was playing with him. So my sister was in Vegas with me that time, and she loved Telly Sabalas. Just loved him. So we had to go get popsicles. Not popsicles, but those Tootsie, you know, that he always chomped on during the show mm-hmm. and stuff. So when it was, we were up on the tee, uh, I motioned to her to come up and, oh, no, 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 no. So I said to tell it, I said, look, my sister's over here and she had something for you. So he walked over, grabbed her, hugged her, and, you know, and she gave him the, the, the suckers. And I mean, that ripped that paper off and he started chewing on that thing like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's, it's stuff like that, that makes me so happy and proud to have been in that era to, yeah. you know, to know those people. As I said, Bruce, you're the same way. I mean, it, it just means something different for us than it does yeah. now. I mean, yeah, it's definitely. like now, it's like, you're lucky you're playing with me uh, type of thing. And yeah. um, I don't know. I just... It's different. You're playing with the great Kojak. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. So you were you were most improved player on the LPGA Tour in 1966? Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, let's go on to 1967. Uh, you had a pretty good finish at the Venice Ladies Open at Lake Venice Golf Club in Florida, finishing second to a lady who won just a couple of tournaments, Kathy Whitworth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, uh, I think probably from my time on tour, I can remember playing. Haney in the playoffs and uh, 
I remember uh, walking up at Rochester uh, for the U.S. Open. Uh, so there's there's a couple of tournaments I I remember. Uh, other than that, it's just the privilege of playing all the places I played. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you mentioned a playoff uh, you had with Sandra Haney. That went three holes. That was in the 1966 Glass City Classic. Um, uh, that wasn't your only run-in with Sandra. We'll talk about another one later. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, as I mentioned, we've talked about you a lot. And so when we talked to Kathy Whitworth, we probably talked about Gloria Arrett because uh, you, know, you were part of her record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1968, uh, you had a good finish, finishing uh, second behind a, a, a lady you mentioned that was quite kind to you when you were doing your qualifying, that being uh, Carol Mann. That was in the Shirley Inglehorn Invitational. Ah. You remember that yes. one? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. People don't remember their seconds. They, they remember no, their remember wins. I remember the seconds. I remember oh. the second for the U.S. Open because I have a, a – an emblem or uh, like a marker that they give you uh, for finishing second at the open. Mm. So, yes, I remember that. And that one was Susie Maxwell burning, winning that one at country club of Rochester, 1973. And you were T2. That's right. And sorry. You were tied second with the. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, was that one a close one? I mean, was that go down yeah, the wire? Yeah, I think um, I th- I think I bogeyed the last hole to fall into second place. Had I parted, uh, we would have had a playoff, but uh, didn't happen. So would have, should have, could have, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you were you were in a playoff with Kathy Cornelius at the Bluegrass <laughs> Invitational in nineteen seventy two. Yes. That I remember. And why that do you remember, remember that one? <laughs> yeah. I shoot 66 the last day. We went out to number, I want to say it was like 14 or 15, tight hole going up the hill, trees right, trees, trees left. Well, of course, Cornelius, she just pops it down the middle, and I knock it into the woods. and. After I was finished, I made six. So I ah. said, well, at least I kept my sixes going. I shoot 66 and make yeah. six on the playoff. So, oh my. you know. Oh, uh, my. Well, you were, I mean, you were in a lot of playoffs uh, the, the next year uh, uh, in a playoff with Clifford Ann Creed and, and Betty Burfeint at the uh, 1973 Birmingham Classic at Green Valley Country Club. Yes. Yes. And Burfight to this day is mad at me because she three putted the 18th hole, and uh, <laughs> she, in fact, this year when I saw her in Palm Springs, uh, I don't know how it came about, but anyway, she goes, you know, I'm still mad at you because you, I three putted that last hole. You should have never won that tournament. I said Burf, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, <laughs> it happens. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we I won on the first hole. I mean, again, I've got a picture. Oh, over here on the wall, uh, I made some ridiculous putt from the back of the green uh, to birdie the hole, and it was it was kind of a short hole up up the hill. Um, and you know, one thing you didn't want to do was get behind the pin. Well, unfortunately, I made that mistake, but. As it turned out, why, yes, it rolled in and birth missed hers and see ya. Mm. <laughs> see ya. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it, it had been a little while since you were in the, in the, in the winter circle. So that one had to feel pretty good. Yes, it did. Absolutely. Yes. I don't think, let's see, Birmingham. Um, I won a senior tournament that Jane Blaylock, uh, she started the senior tour uh, and in Atlanta. uh, I won uh, a senior down there with her. Hmm. So I've got 
a trophy up here from that as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, not too long after that uh, that win, that playoff win of yours in '73, that we talked about uh, you finishing tied second in the U.S. Women's Open uh, in 1973. You remember where that uh, U.S. Open was played? I want to say. Country Club of Rochester, I think. Is yes, I do. In yes, right? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I also played well. I don't know how well it, uh, Wingfield, um, in 73. But. I oh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, the year before, that's right, at Wingfoot, uh, Susie, Susie won her second uh, U.S. Right. Open. So he, she right. went back-to-back, that's right, she had, at, at Wingfoot, which had to be a real test, I would guess. Yeah. Again, it, <laughs> I think I hit every bunker on that golf course uh, that <laughs> final day. It was like no matter what I did, it was bunker, bunker. I became a pretty good bunker player uh, in, that, <laughs> in that round of golf. Uh, because again, it was the 18th hole where I messed up, and um, that I remember uh, mm. really more so, unfortunately, I guess, than Rochester. Um, but uh, yeah, another loss to Susie. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you as you click on down through some of the years. Uh... Uh, you know, you're in a playoff with Sandy again at the Lawson's LPGA uh, Open at Weymouth Valley in uh, in Ohio. That was in 1974, and then and then uh, you finished right behind Donna Capone at the Lady Terra Classic 1975 at Indian Hill Country Club, mm-hmm. uh, and then in a playoff again with Janet Coles and Hollis Stacy. Yep. Remember yeah. that one? Yep. 1978. That was the Natural Light Lady Terra Classic as well. So. Uh, uh, you had a couple of really good finishes there at the Lady Terra. Yes. Yes. I can remember uh, again, now that you're bringing it up uh, uh, with the playoff with Janet. Uh, it was, I don't remember how many holes we did, but. Uh, it went three. Yeah, three. Three. Three must holes. be my number of, <laughs> yeah. of playoffs. Uh, I don't like to go any further than three. So win or lose up to that point. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I can remember that playoff as well. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of three, as, as you're probably uh, thinking about winding down your professional career, you get to 1978, uh, uh, a little after that playoff, and uh, 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 you had uh, a couple of other second places. So you had three seconds uh, in the year of 1978. You had some close calls. See, there's my three. <laughs> yep. Yeah, three again. Three, 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 three. three. <laughs> so you kind of you kind of retired in 1980. Yes. You mentioned you played a little bit of senior golf, but take us through. You know, as you're kind of winding down, what's the thought process? Is it is it the mental side? Is it the physical side? Is it you had other interests that you wanted to pursue? What were you What were you thinking about then? Well, I got to the point I'd love to practice. I mean, I did finish playing or whatever. Uh, most of the time I'd go out and hit balls and, you know, try and work something out or what what went wrong that day. Um, so practicing was fine. I loved it. And maybe it was just a peace of mind or something. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, it got to the point where I didn't, didn't want to practice. I wasn't interested in playing golf. It just kind of Time to quit. That it's time to pack it in. So yeah. I remember, I think we had played like at Bird, Birdines uh, in Miami. And on our trip to St. Petersburg, my mother was with me. And she used to come out quite a bit on tour. And uh, the caddies loved her. They called her Nana. I mean, it was like get her water, get her food, whatever. Mm. I can remember walking into uh, Moss Creek, and I'm there to sign in. And all of a sudden, it's my mother's behind me, and all of a sudden, it's like, Anna, how are you? And it was like I just kind of stepped aside, 
And she took over. I mean, it was mm. like hugs and kisses and all this stuff. And it was like, uh, excuse me, but <laughs> I need to register here. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, she just, she had a great time out there. But anyway, we were on our way back to St. Pete. And I said to her, I said, I think this is it, Mom. And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, I just can't do it anymore. I don't feel like playing. I just don't want to practice. And uh, time for me to go. Well, mm. she started crying and carried on. And it was like, oh, God, you know, I just really, you know, tore her world apart because she went overseas with me, um, made several trips overseas. And, um, she just loved coming out yeah. and uh, everybody loved seeing her. So, you know, it, it's not like she felt like an outsider or something. As I said, the caddies all went over and hugged her and kissed her and, you know, took care of her and stuff. Um, but anyway, I decided I started in St. Petersburg. So you're going to finish. I'm going to, I'm going to quit in St. Petersburg. And I remember I didn't say anything to anybody, but I walked into the locker room. Marlene Hagee was in there, and she walked up to me, and she said, what do I hear? Again, it's just a flashback that, that I had. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, what are you talking about? She goes, are we going to see you next week? And I said, no, Marlene, I'm out of here. I'm done. She started crying and carrying on. And Marlene, my, uh, have a strange relationship, but uh, when Marlene and Alice were out there, it was like I was their child. And I mean, why me? <laughs> I mean, they started putting makeup on me and everything, and it's like, whoa, dudes, you know, <laughs> makeup and me. We just, uh, maybe a cream, yes, but makeup, no. No makeup. Huh? We don't do makeup. But uh, anyway, so she came over and gave me a big hug. And then Spoos came over and a couple of girls came over. And I made my exit. That was it. Yeah. That was it. It was time for me to quit. So I came back and went into the lawn maintenance business. And you've got a, you've got a different job today, too, don't you? Oh, yes. As a matter of of speaking, a place where you're familiar with, uh, Bruce. Uh, it was at once called the Oak Cliff Country Club. Uh, now it's called the Golf Club of Dallas. And it's uh, about a half an hour from the house here. A great golf course. It's it's one of the oldies. It's tight. Yeah, it is. Um, it's so well manicured. The greens are tiny, tiny, tiny. And uh, as I said, it's just a great old golf course. And on Saturday mornings, I'm the starter and the marshal. And the marshal. I love marshal. it. Uh, and I tell the guys, one tee box is here, nine green is here. And I tell them, I better see you back here in two hours or less. Because you see what I'm wearing? You're I'm the see. boss. Yeah, You're I'm the gonna boss. See it. And I don't have any problem going out and, you know, and just telling them, you know, dudes, you're, you know, two holes behind. Well, we've had problems. I don't care. I mean, how you can pick make it a, up. You can make a double bogey pretty quick. You don't have yeah. to, you know, get your little um, thing out and yardage marker. You know, you don't have. Anyway, we've, we've, uh, progressed and we've gotten carts with gps systems on them now so yeah uh, it uh it's it's good but um uh, they better keep their pace because it's a four-hour round golf course or less period yeah anybody can shoot 120 in four hours <laughs> oh i can do it in, in three three hours i can i can make double bogey in a hurry uh but uh yes that's my that's my job and I look forward to it. 
So, Gloria, you were quite involved with uh, this LPGA reunion that we've talked about back in 2008. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how that came together and, and what it ended up becoming? Well, Sandra Post called me one day, and this was like in October, and she said, would you help me with a reunion? And I went, yeah, okay. Uh, what sort of reunion? Yeah, what, what? Tell me a little bit more about what your, you know, what your thought process is here. She said, "Well, she said, you know, most of us haven't seen each other in a long time, like twenty-five years, and we want to kind of get together again." And I went, "Okay." Um, so, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to get in contact with everybody. Excuse me. Uh, you know how 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 does that come about? And she goes, "Well, you know, you're in contact with a lot more people than I am." So I went, "Well, okay." And I think what really got me involved was not too long before that Ruth Jessen had passed away, and that really tore me up. Uh, Ruthie and I were good friends. And uh, I knew she wasn't feeling well, but, you know, to have something, you know, just boom, all of a sudden. Um, so that, I think, in my background, uh, kind of motivated me to, to do, to help Posty. So I said, yeah, okay. So I got on the computer, and I probably had like 10 or 12 people. and. Uh, I reached out to them and said, look, uh, would you, this is our idea. Would you pass the word along or, you know, send me back emails where I can get in touch with people? And then I called the LPGA thinking, oh, yeah, they'll help. So I called. And my the remark was, I'm sorry, we can't give you any information because it would be, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, uh, breach the confidentiality. Confidentiality. And, yeah. and I went, you got to be kidding me. I'm an LPGA player or past player. I'm doing this to reunite are past players, and you can't give me this? No. So, I won't tell you what I told them. But anyway, uh, this started to multiply. You know, I was getting e emails from a bunch of, you know, people. And Posty and I are going back and forth, and um Anyway, um, okay, now, uh, well, let me fill them in a little bit. Where are we going to have this? Well, let's have it at the Dinosaur. Celebrate, you know, because a lot of us played in the Dinosaur. Okay, fine. Uh, let's all get to Palm Springs and let's talk to, you know, some of our friends out there that live there and see about renting some kind of a place to have the reunions. We wanted two dinners. Well, when we got out there, uh, Susie McAllister Morton, who was on our tour and was married to Gary Morton, who was married to Lucille Ball. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Susie was there. And then H.B. Dunce was there also. Or H.B. Dunce MacArthur. She was married to James MacArthur, who was Dano on Hawaii Five-O. So we've got two pretty influential people here that, you know, mm -hmm. Susie goes, I'll, I'll host the, the first party. Well, if you see Susie's home, she could hold a bloody convention there. <laughs> I mean, it is... Unbelievably beautiful uh, and big. 
and HB. I mean, her home is beautiful, but being from James, being from Hawaii and stuff, and not from Hawaii, but Hawaii Connections, their their home is, you know, all the bougainvillea and the Hawaiian flowers and stuff. So two magnificent homes, but two entirely different. So anyway, come to get together and everything. So, okay, well, we have that. All right, now, food. And we had kind of a budget that, you know, okay, this is what it's going to cost if you wanted to come out and play or to come out to the reunion, fine. Um, Kind of dragging the song a little bit, but uh, Susie went out and got the Hilton Garden uh, Hotel at a special rate for us. And uh, the eat ales start coming in, and it's a little, you know, we're doing this. At least we had dates and places to have the reunion. Um, well, I mean, just influx of emails that I got. The one that really, and I think Mike, if I, and we talked about it, was Chaco Haguchi, which mm. in our time, Chaco was one heck of a player. And she wants to come. I mean, it was like, whoa. I mean, come you know, from this Japan. is, this this is, is big. fantastic. So, anyway, uh, it progresses, progresses. So we, uh, with obviously the help of Brenda, uh, we made name tags because you know, you know, after twenty five years, it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, who are you? Nah, no, yeah, you, no, but who are you? Yeah. So we got the, you know, the 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 lanyards and all that stuff, and made all tags and stuff, and uh, Kay Cornelius. Uh, helped us uh, with registration and, you know, people coming in and stuff. And, of course, at Susie's, you know, you have the ballet parking and, I mean, just all that's incredible. Great. But yeah. uh, anyway, um, ended up, we had a hundred girls that showed up. Hmm. And uh, you're talking from, you know, from beginning to... Uh, Nineteen nineteen eighty, we did 50s, 60s, 70s. That was it. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. So uh, we had everybody coming in, and unfor- I mean, fortunately, um, Mike has a picture of of all of us spread out uh, in the back of Susie's home. Yeah. Uh, took this picture and. I went down and I've got movies of, you know, people coming into the garden, uh, to the hotel. And it would, I mean, like the surprise on their faces when they, you know, would see somebody or, uh, it was, it, it was just amazing. And, um, each could bring a guest. So the 100 went into 200 and, Probably, in actuality, we had probably around 225 people. And then David Foster was, he was not well, but Carol Mann went over to David's house, drug his butt over to Susie's, (laughs) and he is in that picture, front row center, because this is his tournament. This is why we all, you know, got together. So, uh, It was uh, his involvement as the chairman of Colgate Palmolive back in 1972, partnering with Dinah Shore to bring that tournament to fruition. That really sort of became, in my mind, it seemed like it was the LPGA's version of the Masters because it mm-hmm. had the same home every year for 50 years, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Yes, it was. And I mean, we all looked forward to, um, you know, play hard that year because you might get into, you know, the Dinosaur, which was the epitome of, you know, you won that tournament, man, you were a player. Uh, and um, 
it was it was just I mean David just brought everything. I mean he took us he was the first one to take us overseas. If you were in like the top thirty five, you went to uh, Japan. You went to London. Well, of course he had the uh, not the British Open, but he had a tournament at Sunningdale which you wanted to play in every year. So, sure. you know, you work your tail off to, you know, to be in the top 35 because you wanted to go over there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, without David, I mean, and these kids nowadays don't even know who in the heck David Foster is, but yep. without right. David, they'd be punching typewriters because yeah. Yeah. he just illuminated the, um, the LPGA. I mean, he just, and he believes so much in us. And I think I was telling Mike that when he went and asked Dinah Shore if she would represent the woman's side of it, and she, she said, oh, absolutely. And then he goes, well, it's a golf tournament. And she, <laughs> she thought it was a tennis tournament because <laughs> yeah. she played tennis and had no clue what a golf club was. No clue. Yeah. But anyway, she... Well, it uh, had, had to be a great reunion. Of course, that's 15 years ago, so it's probably time for another one. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, we had uh, uh, probably five or six years later, uh, I did another one because everybody said that was so great. You know, let's have another one, another one. Uh, in Phoenix at the Wigwam uh, uh -huh. establishment out there. And uh, we had about 60 or 65 players that came out to that one as well. Uh, then this last year, or last year, uh, at the Dinosaur, with it being the last year there in uh, Chevron, I think is what it's called. I'm not sure. Uh, but we call it the Dinosaur. So, again, it was like, okay. Let's do a farewell to David Foster and to Dinah Shore. And we had probably 80 girls or so that showed up for that one. Again, it was at Susie's. Um, yeah. And she, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'll, I'll host it, not a problem. Um, so I think that's probably, you know, and I was looking at the, into the picture, and it was like, my God, I mean, we've lost probably 10 or 12 since that first reunion. I mean, mm, I knew we yeah. had, we lost, you know, a few, but the more I'm looking, it's like, okay, she's gone, she's gone, she's gone, she's gone. Yeah. And, you know, we had one founder left, and that's Marlene. Yeah. And Marlene is not doing well at all. Uh, yeah. We used to talk like at least two or three times a month. And then her birthday's in February. Last year, I tried calling her. No answer, no nothing. Yeah. And I figured, okay, you know, she's tanking on us pretty good yeah. here. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that about the reunion. I thought that was pretty special, special photo and special memories, I'm sure. You know, as we sort of wind down, Bruce, uh, as you know, we have uh, we have just a few questions we like to ask all of our guests. So you want to start it off? Uh-oh. Yeah. Easy. Okay. Easy. No, this is, a, this is one that uh, most people have a little bit of trouble thinking about which, what it should be. So if I were to give you one mulligan, where would you take it? There's not a doubt in my mind where I would take it. It would be on the 14th hole at Mission Hills. Um, I was tied for the tournament at that time, standing on 14T. Wait a minute, 13, it's the par 3, 14, 14. There, there's no reason to hit it left, but I did. You I snapped it, and it was like, <laughs> Snapped it OB, and that was it. It was, I I don't know, I, I, I think I finished in the top 10 
at that tournament, but I mean, it, it was could have won, huh? <laughs> yeah. It was there, but I'm not so sure I could have jumped in in the pond anyway. But uh, <laughs> but that that definitely would be a not a well, doubt. Good. The, the second one, uh, think about this. If you knew at age twenty what you know now, oh, okay. What would you What would you have done differently? I would have started an exercise program for myself. Um, you know, the running, the lifting, the turning, whatever they do. I mean, if you, you know. I would build myself up to be much stronger. That would be one thing I would do. Um, I can't say I'd practice anymore. Uh, I think that would be my the initial thing that I would do. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got to be strong out there because these girls, I mean, are just incredibly strong. I mean, look at Brooke. I mean, and Brooke and I are pretty good friends and Lexi and I are pretty good friends. So, uh, it was great to see her win over the weekend. Uh, but, uh, I mean, and club head speed. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> I can't even make the fan make noise. Go that uh, quick. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd have, I'd have a tough time out there, but, uh, yeah. So our, la our last question, yes, our last question is, how would you like people to remember Gloria Errett? Well, I'm just grateful that people remember me. <laughs> uh, 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 I, I, I mean, as I said, this is, I just can't tell you how thrilled and and just honored I am to be asked to be on the podcast. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, people at the club, they know a little bit about my background and stuff. And, you know, it's amazing the, the comments and stuff uh, from those people. But uh, just a plain old country girl. I mean, <laughs> it was funny because when I say that, uh, when I was at the the Pioneer. Uh, uh, How about the Cognizant Founders Cup Pioneer? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. The yeah. the announcer that, that walks around. Give us a clue, male or female? Female. Female. And she not Dottie Pepper. Dottie Pepper. No. So not Dottie, not Judy. No. Um, Karen? Karen Strupples? Karen Strupples. Stopples Karen yeah. came up to me on Saturday yeah. afternoon, and she goes, we have something in common. And I looked, and I went, okay, um, yes, what would that be? She goes, we both love to mow grass. And I went, yes, we do. She loves <laughs> to get on the riders, you know, that, that do the fairways and stuff. <laughs> she said she's done it a couple of times, and she said, that is so cool. And so when I cut my yard in the back, which is, that's my saving grace. I mean, I love being outside and messing with my vegetable garden and, and flowers and mowing grass and, and everything. And, and I said, yes, I said, we do have that in common. And after I finish, I, I'll text her and I'll say, okay, just finish mowing. I went vertical this one, this time, or you know, went par you know parallel or whatever, and uh, <laughs> that was that was pretty cool. But um, as I said, uh, how do I? I don't know. I can't answer that. So talk about cool. It's been cool to have you with us today, Gloria. Well, thank you. I know Mike and I have enjoyed uh, talk, chatting with you and. Uh, the, time, the time will come fairly quickly, I believe, where all of these podcasts will be archived in some pretty fancy locations. We thank you for your time today. Well, it, as I said, it's been absolutely my pleasure, and I think it's great that 
you know, you're archiving, you know, the, these players uh, because it's just something that hopefully, hopefully that these kids will look back on and say, you know, thank you, you know, for not even thank you, just being a little more appreciative of what's happened so that they can make their millions and, and whatever. Uh, you know, money was, we didn't make money. I mean, let's let's face it, to be 12th on the money list to make $12,000, you can, you know, um, make the judgment from there. But um, yeah. just the camaraderie that, you know, that we had, the closeness. I mean, they don't have to be bosom pump, but people, but uh, I don't know, just a little more appreciative of what they've got. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that uh, both of you love the game. Oh, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. There are sometimes mm. I love it, and there's sometimes I just go, why are you doing this? Why are you just being out Tormenting here? yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's, uh, it's a love-hate relationship, for sure. Well, we sure have loved having you on the program, Gloria, and, and we're... Uh... Uh, there's no doubt that in generations, future generations, there's going to be young boys and young girls going to listen to this episode and learn a lot about the champion, Gloria Errett. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Mr. Devlin, thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Went straight down the middle, quite away.